2 Corinthians chapter 8. If you're able to stand, please stand with us for the reading of the Word of God. And let's begin in verse 1. Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power are bare record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, insomuch that we desired Titus, that as he had begun, so he would also finish in you the same grace also. Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in your love to us, see that you abound in this grace also. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. And herein I give my advice, the Apostle Paul writing to this church at Corinth. Here's some advice. For this is expedient for you who have begun before, not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. Now therefore perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. For if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath, and not according to that he hath not. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, and Lord, we thank you for the opportunity tonight just to be in this place, to fellowship together, and to, Lord, to rejoice in your work and your goodness, the fact that you would allow us to serve you. And Father, this is such a meaningful portion of Scripture to us. There's so much that could be said, but I pray that you'd help us tonight to hear what you have for us tonight. We pray for that, that, Lord, you would do what only you can do, and Lord, that is to impress upon our hearts the truths of your word and we thank you in Jesus name amen you may be seated I want to take this passage tonight and I want to begin by just talking about the importance of examples it dawned on me as I was preparing this message that I think there are a lot of people who really underestimate the value of an example if you have a parent that's a good example that you could learn from them, that if you had a pastor that was a good example, if you had a church that was a good example, this is what Paul is saying to the Corinthian church here in chapter 8. He said, I want you to take note of the churches in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia 
or doing some things that would help you, doing some things that would be good for you to emulate. And sometimes we don't think about that. If you look at the language in verse 1 where he says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit. Now that's a phrase you probably haven't used today. We do you to wit. What does that mean? He said, I want you to understand. I want to bring this to your attention. I want to make sure you know this. I do you to wit. I want you, as a church member in Corinth, I want you to understand the grace of God that was bestowed upon the churches of Macedonia. That would be like Philippi and Thessalonica, Berea, uh, those churches. So, so really Paul is recommending to the church at Corinth that they use the churches in Macedonia as an example. You could learn from their example. And so this matter of examples, if you look at the scripture, I think it really matters. You could learn something about church ministries, about uh, emulating or imitating what they're doing. An example is something that's to be followed. You know, if we, want, if we want to set an example for our children, we want us to follow our help and, and our testimony in those areas of our life. And so as we begin this, just engage your mind by thinking about this question. Is there anything or anyone that I would purposefully want to imitate? That I would intentionally want to be like? Is that, and if you're sitting here and say, really, there is no one, that I just want to challenge you tonight to think that biblically there are things that we ought to want to follow or set a, follow the example of other people. Having examples is not a bad thing. So some people have the mentality, well, you know, I just follow the Lord, you know, I don't, but you know, if you look in the Bible, there's a whole lot of where Paul said, for instance, follow me as I also follow Christ. And so, examples themselves are not a bad thing unless they're bad examples. Following good examples are what we have been commanded to do by the Scripture. Following good examples are some, is something that we've been commanded to do. Now, we all know they're poor examples. They're poor examples of churches. They're poor examples of parents. They're poor examples of political leaders. One or two, not many. They're poor examples, really, of employees. They're poor examples of employers. But there are a lot of good examples. And so what kind of example are you following? And as we go through this, I want you to think about the importance of example, the importance of the examples we need, the importance of the examples that we should be. And so in this text, we see from the Word of God that they're good examples. This, this passage is about churches, the churches of Macedonia, that were good examples, according to Paul. And if, if the church at Corinth, think with me, if the church at Corinth would benefit from learning from the example of the Macedonian churches, I think we would benefit also from the same. And by the way, this is not the only place it's mentioned. Hold your finger here in 2 Corinthians, if you would, and go to the right, just a few books, to 1 Thessalonians. Just a few verses... 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we'll go right back to our text. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul writes to the church at Thessalonica, and he says in verse 5, For our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost and much assurance. And we know what manner, excuse me, you know what manner of men we were among you for your sakes. Notice verse 6. And ye became followers of us and of the Lord, 
having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Ghost. You followed us, he says in verse 6, and you followed the Lord. Now look in verse 7. So that ye, talking about this church, ye were in samples to all that believe in Macedonia and Achaia. Thessalonica is in Macedonia. But he says, you, you, were, you yourself became an example. So here Paul says, you followed my example, and now other churches are learning to follow your example. It's, it's biblical to have examples. This, this is a different word, but it's similar. It's not example in our English Bible. It's in-sample from the word tupos, which is like a type or a model or a pattern. A, an example is something you could reproduce. It's something you should be reproducing. And so from the scripture we see that this is not an uncommon reference. So let's go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I want to look a little bit at this church that Paul said, these churches in Macedonia, that Paul said the Corinthians would benefit from. Look in verse 3. I read it a moment ago. He says, For to their power I bear record. Yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. One thing he said about these Macedonian churches, that they, they were outperforming their ability. Look what he says in verse, I bear record, verse 3, Yea, and beyond their power, beyond their ability, beyond what they could do, they were willing of themselves. And you might ask, well, how can a person do more than they're capable of doing? How can a person do more than they're able to do. And the answer is, it wasn't just them doing it. Look in verse 1. He says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. You know why they were able to do more than they're able to do? Because of the grace of God. Because God was with them. I, I was thinking about this today. I would, I would sure hate to think that I would live my life and die and all they would be able to say about me was, he did everything he could. I'd like to them think, you know, he did stuff he wasn't even able to do. And it's not because of us, it's because of God. You leave, you leave God out of the equation, it changes everything. And so God was working through them. And by the way, that in itself is not an unusual testimony of Scripture. It says this about the church in Jerusalem. Great grace was upon them all. Not just the preachers, not just the apostles. Great grace was upon them them all. So as a church, we would do well to follow these examples that Paul lives up at really as a standard. And I want to say this, just uh, to kind of help us maybe wrap our mind around it a little bit, there are many churches of our day that are good examples as far as missions is concerned, as far as outreach is concerned, as far as discipleship is concerned. So, so don't think that, you know, and by the way, whether we think it's accurate or proper or whatever, there are people that look at our church as an example of what God could do, in a, especially in a rural setting, like we're saying. I mean, it's nothing wrong with that. We're not bragging on ourselves. I'm just saying there's good examples. They're good examples of churches. They're good examples among God's servants. Hold your finger again here in 2 Corinthians and go to the right to the book of Philippians. And I just want to um, take a couple of verses and... In, in, uh, as you probably know, there are numerous passages we can look to, but I just want to look at a couple of them in Philippians. Philippians chapter 4 and verse 9. Paul says this, Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, and the God of peace shall be with you. Now, Paul, you, got, you have to understand, Paul was not boasting. Paul was not bragging. Paul was not 
you know, trying to make himself look like something he wasn't. He just said, he says, what you've heard, what you've seen in me, what you've believed, put that into practice. He, was, he tried to be an example. We're in the same book, Philippians 3, look in verse 17. Brethren, be followers together of me. Follow me. Be imitators of me. And then he says this, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. He says, try to, try to live the life that I'm trying to live. And not only me, there are other people who are trying to live the same life. Try to follow their example as well. And I'm, I'm just saying again, I think I'm emphasizing this because I believe there are a lot of people who overlook the importance of having a good example and trying to learn from others, even other churches. And so... Go back to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And, and as you already know, or you should know, I think, most of us anyway, this whole chapter 8 and 9, he's talking about a church rallying together, praying and seeking the Lord to come up with uh, funds, offerings, to go to something other than their local ministry to help other people in need. And this is the principle that is laid out for us, and we're not really going to dig into that. But... The best example is found in verse 9, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, yet for your sakes He became poor, that you through His poverty might be rich. I'm, I, you say, well, you're making an application that's not there. No, we just see it in the Bible. Paul said, Paul said the greatest example of someone sacrificing and giving up for themselves for others is Jesus Christ and we'll never ever meet that example or that sample so all these are good examples worth imitating and and that's something that I would love for us to think about tonight you know how would you categorize yourself I'm gonna give you three options first of all I really have no at least up until tonight, I really have no interest or need in following anyone. I think that would fit if we, you know, you don't have to raise your hand, obviously. But I don't really see the need to follow anyone. And I hope by seeing the scripture, you see that's really not the best approach. Or another option might be you see yourself following the wrong examples. And that can be a danger as well. That's, and you say, yeah, teenagers need to be careful. Adults need to be careful. But thirdly, the third option, and this would be a more biblical option, that we're committed to learning and following good examples that God sets before us. Now with that in mind, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, I want to just focus on uh, a couple of characteristics of this church, the, the members of this church, and think about the fact that this would be a good example for all of us. And the first one is their willingness. We're going to look at this in the scripture. Their willingness. Look, if you would, please, in verse 3, where it says, For to their power, talking about these churches, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. Look, if you would, please, in verse 11. Now, therefore, perform the doing of it, that as there was a readiness to will, so there may be a performance also out of that which you have. And again, in verse 12, for if there be first a willing mind, it is accepted according to that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. So we have three examples here of how he's commending them for their willingness. And you know what? That's something 
that's worth our attention tonight. They were willing to do what God wanted them to do. There was no hesitation. There was no reservation. There was no resistance. They were willing to do what God wanted them to do. That passage there in verse 12 where it says, first a willing mind. Uh, it's translated from the Greek, and the word prothumia. Pro is before and, and the word thuma is mind. And what it means is they decided ahead of time. They were thinking ahead of time. They were, think about this. Think about what we're doing tonight or think about maybe last night or Sunday or whenever the case. Think about listening to preaching. And there are three responses related to what we're talking about tonight that we could have listening to preaching. One, one response would be, I'm going to decide later what I'm going to do with this. And by the way, I think that's the way some people approach preaching. I'm going to think about this for a while and I'll decide later what I'm going to do with it. A better response is, I'm going to decide now what I'm going to do with this truth. I'm, going to do, I'm, going to, I'm not going to wait till I get home. I'm going to wait to discuss it with my wife or husband. I'm going, to, I'm going to obey what God has said to me to do. But there's even a better response, and that's this word prothumia. I'm going to decide before I hear it that if God speaks to me, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm going to, my mind is made up. If, I, if God shows me something from the Bible, I'm going to do it. I'm already decided... That's, that's this willingness. I have this, that's the will. You know, remember the passage in Acts chapter 17 where it talked about the Berean Christians who were not like the other people, but they searched the word daily. And it said this they received the word, listen, think about this, same word. They received the word with all readiness of mind. They're just sitting there expecting for God to say something through His Word and determine when God speaks to me, I'm going to do it. Now, I'm not making this up. I'm not just trying to you know, find a Scripture that goes with my sermon. This is what the Scripture says. They had this willingness. They were willing to do what God wanted them to do. You know, when we think about missions and what we're going to do for missions, praying for missionaries, sending missionaries, supporting missionaries... Where would be a good place to start? Here's why I think it would be a good place to start. Would be, willing. I'm, Lord, I'm willing. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do it. I'm not going to put any uh, guard lines on, uh, guidelines on that or guardrails on that. I want to do whatever you want me to do. You know, God, in His wisdom, and I've thought about this many, many times in my life, God, in this, His wisdom, made us with the ability to choose. I mean, you're here tonight. Because either you chose to be here or someone chose for you <laughs> to be here. God wants us to love Him. God wants us to serve Him because we want to. Not because anybody's forcing us to. God, God gave us this ability to choose. Now God has a... God, I understand this from life and from scriptures... God has a way of kind of influencing our willingness. Uh, Jonah was a good example of that, right? Jonah did not want to go to Nineveh. But after three days and nights in the fish's belly, you know, he said, you know, Nineveh's not a bad place really when you think about it. And you know what? God could do that with us. But what God wants us to do, young people, what God wants us to do is to have a desire to know His will and to do His will. 
to be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. And when you really think about missions, or anything for that matter, the problem in getting God's will accomplished is not with God's ability. God can do anything. The problem often is getting His people willing to do whatever He wants us to do. And I believe it's a great hindrance. I believe this is a great hindrance to the work of God. I was reading today in Matthew, and I'm not going to turn to it, but Jesus said, if any man will come after me, notice the word will, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will, you have to choose. Whosoever will save his life is going to lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. These are choices we make. We have this ability to choose. This willingness is critical. It was that, it was that res- mentality of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane that said, not my will, but thy will be done. God wants us to think like this. Lord, I want your will. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbed being made uh, equal with God, made himself of uh, uh, laid aside his reputation, made himself a form of a servant, and went to the cross. I mean, this is the way we're to think. God wants us to think like this. I, my, default, my default position is to think, I want to do what I want to do. That, that's the way I was born with that mentality, and I could still live that way, but, but we choose not to. We want to live the way God wants us to live. And so this willingness is so important. I was just thinking about this today, and I remi- remembered of the language in the book of Exodus where Moses was leading the people to get together the material and the resources uh, to build the tabernacle, that beautiful tabernacle that would be traveling around and God, God would move with them. And it said, and the Bible called it a willing offering. A willing offering. And what that tells us is the people, as a matter of fact, it said their spirit made them willing. And what was the outcome of that? The Bible says the people brought much more than enough. The people were restrained from their bringing. Imagine that, brother, telling your folks, you're going to have to quit bringing. We don't, we, you know, we, can't, we don't need all this. Don't bring any more. You say, you know, why was that? Because the people were willing. And I think there are probably times that we could say, and maybe even tonight if you'd really think about it, this really gets in my way a lot of times. Because there are things that I really believe it would be better for me to do, things that I believe God would have me to do, and yet, when I really get them down to do, and I'm just not willing to. I just don't want to do that. This is, the, this is one of these things in 2 Corinthians 8, and there are many of them, but this is one of these things I just want to really press on us tonight is, he said, he said, you need to take note of this. That You need to make this a model. Use this as an example. You need to be more like this. And what was it? Being willing to do anything that God wants us to do. I believe we shut off opportunities. And we shut off opportunities not only to do things, but to learn things and to know things. Because we just don't want to, we don't want to believe that that's really true. So he challenged the Corinthian church to follow their example of willingness. And this message tonight is not about giving to missions, although faith promise giving is what our church does. We commit something every week or every month, however we choose to do it, over our regular tithes and offerings, and every bit of that goes to missions. But, I'm, but here's, here's my, 
my thought tonight is the more important thing than just knowing you know, exactly what does God want me to give is, God, I just want to be willing to do whatever you want me to do. I just want to do whatever you want me to do. So the first thing I want to really focus on is their willingness. The second thing I want to talk about tonight for a little bit is what I'm going to call their consecration. You could say dedication. But verse 5 describes it, and there's really more than one thing in verse 5, but that's what I want to notice about the rest of our time. And this they did, talking about their generosity, their desire. Actually, they were, they were begging Paul to please let us give. Verse 5, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. I call that consecration. They gave, they gave, he's talking about here how they were, they're so generous, they were so willing, and they were able to do what they were able to do, but there was something they did before they gave their money. They gave themselves to the Lord. Now, I think on the surface, we might think, well, you know, preacher, I mean, everybody's given themselves to the Lord. I'm not talking about we give God a little portion of ourselves. We give ourselves to the Lord. You know, this, this decision, this mentality, this dedication of the church members there in those Macedonian churches um, was an act, I believe, of surrender, an act of commitment. And I think this, again, is a great hindrance to the work of God. Because we look at the time that we could use to go visiting, or we could look at the time that we could use praying for our missionaries, or we look at the resources that we might could give to the cause of missions. And we look at it like it's our time, or it's our money, or it's our energy. But in reality, what we need to look at it is, I've given it to God. Amen. You know... I don't think this is, you know, I don't think this is uh, naive or an exaggeration. Or, but I think if we just we give ourselves to God, then we're willing to do whatever God wants us to do. You know? And this is not just about money or mission. This is about life. You know, if I did, if I did something to hurt someone, if I did something to wrong someone or offend somebody and I knew it, and I just say, well, I'm not going to make that right. Then what I'm saying is, this part of my life belongs to me. This, 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 this is under my category. And people look at life like, I'm going to give God a few hours to go to church this week. I'm going to give Him maybe a few, few minutes to read my Bible. But no, that's not, what God, that's not what this is talking about. They gave themselves unto the Lord. They gave everything, they gave everything that, was, that we sang about that, that last song we were singing about. And so the question is, you know, what part of my life is really not surrendered to God? And again, I think this is a great hindrance to God's work. We don't know, we don't know a lot about these churches in Macedonia. We read about the church at Philippi by Paul's letter to the Philippians, you know. We know some things about it. The Thessalonican church, we know some things about it. So there's a lot we don't know, but one thing I'm convinced that we know. And that is they were willing, in a very unique way, they were willing to do whatever God wanted them to do. And Paul said, you'd do well to follow their example. 
And the second thing I know about them is they get, before they gave anything else, they gave themselves to the Lord. That's not talking about being saved. Just gave themselves to the Lord. We don't, we don't get saved by giving ourselves to the Lord. We get saved by repenting of our sin and putting our faith in Jesus Christ and His shed blood and His bodily resurrection as the payment for our salvation and we put our faith and trust in Him. But giving our lives to God is what, second, what Romans 12, 1 and 2 is talking about. Right? It's, it's, it's giving your... I, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Amen. When you take... When they would take an animal and sacrifice that animal... They weren't just sacrificing a part of that animal. It wasn't a temporary sacrifice. They were sacrificing all of that animal. And God says, I don't want you to sacrifice yourself on an altar with fire. I want you to give your life to me. I want you to dedicate, present your bodies a living sacrifice. And that's what really this is talking about. And I wonder how much might be more, how much more might be done for the cause of missions, not just abroad, but in our own community. If every one of us would say, Lord, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. Amen. If you want me to teach a Sunday school class, if you want me to pray every day so many minutes or whatever for me, I'm willing to do whatever you want me to do. And I just want to let you know that I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my life. You know, you, it's one thing to give God your money. It's another thing to give God a few minutes of your time. But it's another thing to give God your life. I wonder how might that impact the work of missions if we would be willing to do that. And the, this text says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, in verse, in verse 8, 8 and 8, it tells us that this, is, this just really gives evidence of their true love for the Lord. I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others and to prove the sincerity of your love. You know, when you give yourself to God and you give your resources to God's work, he says it's evidence that you really love Him. You know, loving, it's easy to say I love you, right? I was thinking today, and this may seem like an unusual thing to say in a sermon, but I was thinking today, there are probably a lot of people in this country where, a lot, let's just say men, there are probably a lot of men in this country this morning left their house, left their, said goodbye to their wife and said I love you. And sometime during the day, they're showing inordinate affection to someone else. See, saying I love you is cheap. You know how you know somebody loves you? It's by the way they sacrifice. And that's what he said here. He's, he said, this is evidence of your love. And, and by the way, the great example of this is who? Jesus. For God so loved the world that he said, figure it out on your own. No. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. This is how we know. 1 John 3, hereby we perceive we the love. How do I know God loves me? I don't, love, I don't know God loves me because I heard it in a song. I don't know God loves me because I have this warm, fuzzy feeling. I know God loves me because His Son died on the cross for my sins. And it's easy to say... You know, I love God, or I love the work of God, and God, I love you. But you know what is the proof of our love is when we're letting God have His way in our life. When we're giving of our time and our resources. You'll remember this, this story, this passage in the Bible where Jesus 
was in the house of a Pharisee and there was a woman came. The Bible said she was a sinner. Now Everybody's a sinner, but she was a notorious sinner. Everybody knew she was a sinner. And she came into the house and she had this alabaster box of ointment. And she began to pour that on the Lord and she actually was wiping her, wiping Jesus' feet with her tears and her hair. And there were people in the room, the Pharisee first of all, but even some of the disciples who took issue with that. They took issue with that. Don't, what a waste this is. And when Jesus began to make the application, explain what was going on, you know what he said? She's, she's doing this because she loves me. She's doing this as an act, a demonstration of her love. And here the disciples are criticizing her for it. Just saying tonight, we, we really give ourselves to the Lord. We're willing to say, Lord, whatever you want me to do. It's, it's really a demonstration of our love. And I just want to challenge. I believe this is really what the Lord wanted me to do tonight. I don't want to challenge us tonight. To, as we think about our commitment to missions, first of all, let's be willing to do whatever God wants us to do. This will be a good invitation. This is a homework tonight, tonight except we're not going to wait until we get home. Could you, could you say that to God tonight? Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. About missions, about my life. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And second of all, I want to give my life completely to you. Now, I'm not of the persuasion that if you do that one time, you never have to do it again. And I've forgotten so many things in my life, things that are important. But one thing I've never forgotten is on a Sunday morning, as a conscious act of my will, responding to the preaching of the Word of God. I wasn't a preacher. I was a house painter who had just been saved out of a life of being a hippie. But I said this, God, I just want to give you my life. I don't know what that means. I don't know where that'll take me, but you gave everything for me. And I want to give you my life. And tonight, that would be a good decision to make. God, I just want to give you my life. And I want to be willing to do anything you want me to do. And I challenge you tonight, for the sake of your own life and testimony, for the sake of your family, for the sake of God and His will, for the sake of those who will benefit because you made that commitment. Tonight, I want to challenge you. Lord, I want to give you my life. And I'm telling you, by the grace of God, I want to be willing to do anything you want me to do. And you know what? We get that taken care of. All these other pieces will begin to become clearer for us. Amen?